If you look for perfection, you'll never be content. Leo Tolstoy. I don't know if love amount to anything. I was uh, spending a lot of time in my room, and this this uh, and this busted home that we lived in became the primary hangout spot for me, and of course, the other hopeless youth of the area. At some point in the tenth grade, my mother had moved out of the house, and and because of that, she left a bunch of teenage boys in charge of themselves and the house um, that my grandmother had gotten us into. Needless to say, that was one of my mother's worst decisions. For example, on one occasion, I was in my room writing and my younger brother was across the hall with his girlfriend when I heard her yell and some commotion um, followed after that. After a few seconds, I decided to investigate and and I expected fully to once again have to tell my other little brother to get his moron friends out of the house because this must be just the beginning of another party. But... When I opened my bedroom door and I could see across the hallway in the room directly over from me, there was this stocky man standing over my brother with his fists clenched, asking for a friend of our other brother who was not there and who we had hardly knew. Um, So I, I pulled this dude away from my brother and as he turned to face me, I realized that I had no idea who this psycho was. I've never seen him before in my life. And he swung on me and he sort of connected. I don't, it didn't hurt. So I was still able to like try and talk to this lunatic. He just stared at me with these giant eyes and, and he yelled, I've seen more Coke in Eastlake, which didn't make sense grammatically, but I understood the point he was trying to make. I eventually did talk him down by explaining that the guy he was looking for wasn't there and that we had, you know, no, no beef with uh, Captain Cocaine. I got I managed to get through to him, you know, talking to him before he left, but as he was leaving, he made a promise to my brother, his girlfriend and myself that he was going to return with his gun and we were all going to be killed. Needless to say, it didn't take the three of us long to decide to get the fuck out of that house. We eventually uh made it to my mom's boyfriend's house. I think we walked there and uh we knocked on his door and we asked my I asked my mom to do something about, you know, the house basically come home and fix this shit but she was more irritated that we showed up at her boyfriend's house than she was concerned about our safety the police were never involved and i still don't know why that guy walked into our house all coked up swinging swinging his fist at people and whenever i can't figure out why something happens or why someone does something to me i i just assume that it's karma for something i had done wrong before and this one I chalked it up as my punishment for breaking into houses and stealing stuff. And I decided that I deserved this because I've entered houses to steal before. And now I knew what it felt like, you know, to have my home violated. So I deserved this. But what I didn't like is that my brother and his girlfriend had nothing to do with my karma and they were involved, which sucked. I think as a result of this assault, my sister was asked to move back home. Um, She'd been living in the ghetto on Cleveland's west side with her boyfriend and my brand new baby niece in Tremont. And this is Tremont when there were still projects and there were no hipsters and rent was still $300. She and her boyfriend had their cars stolen so many times to the point that 
the steering columns of both of their cars were just ripped out of the cars. We could start their cars with a, a pair of pliers just by pulling this arm thing that was sticking out from underneath the dashboard. They even had bullets that hit their house, and my baby niece lived there. So it wasn't the greatest time to be living in Tremont. So they were asked to come home. Uh, sometime soon after Captain Cocaine, my sister did move back, and, and she brought her boyfriend with her. The only good part about this is that she also brought my niece, kiddo. I had another niece at this point that was a little older than her, that my our oldest sibling, my brother, had, but he was long gone, and I didn't know that niece at this point at all. But I adored kiddo from the first day I met her. But as much as I loved her, I was as equally as sad for her because I knew what my family was, and I had all sorts of fears that she would turn out to be another failure to add to our wilted family tree or that she'd just be another innocent kid that has to go through all the shit that we went through. I was scared for her, so I I kind of made it my mission to make sure that every interaction I had with kiddo was a positive one or a learning situation, something I could teach her or something. It had to be a positive or productive interaction. That I That was my mission. And, and it was easy because she was a really cute baby and had a great personality. She was always relaxed, always laughing. And her arrival was one of the very few bright spots of my high school years. We'll talk more about kiddo later and the impact that she had on me. But um, this part of the story is about the dynamic of the house at this point. The bedroom that used to be one big bedroom was now two very small bedrooms. And thankfully, one of those small bedrooms was mine and mine alone. And that's where I spent most of my time. It was the only place in the house where I could find peace. Um, And I would find peace there just by listening to music very loud and uh, writing on this old typewriter that I stole from a house down the street because I loved the sound of the hammers hitting the paper. So I would type incessantly. Anyway, let's get back to the uh, ugly friend, you know, where we left off last time. So, what's in a friend? What I mean is, what makes someone a friend as opposed to just an acquaintance? A lot of people define the depth of a friend by simply how long they've known somebody. And they'll, still, they'll stay friends with bad people for years simply because they've known them for a long time. like Almost like a sense of um, duty or loyalty. Other people consider a friend to be anyone that they just work with or party with. Other people consider a friend anybody who's just willing to hang out with them, um, regardless of the quality of their character. The dictionary defines a friend as a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. Now, that's a solid description, but my definition of a friend is a bit longer. My definition of a friend has always been, and still is, someone who you can be vulnerable with and they can be vulnerable with you. Uh, Someone who you can confide in and it's reciprocated. A person that will tell you when you're being an asshole or making a mistake. And someone who helps you when you need support or when you are striving to better yourself. Ryan checked all of those boxes. And so Ryan was my friend. And like many kids back then, Ryan felt comfortable opening up to me about all sorts of his insecurities, hopes, and fears. I would listen to him, and I would offer whatever sort of insight I could. 
and I would do the same in his direction, although he, he, he offered very little insight on anything that I brought up, but I still liked the intimacy of our one-on-one conversations, and I've always jumped at the chance to be open with people whenever that, possi- that opportunity shows up. And I've always respected someone who, or anyone who is willing to open up and be sensitive with me, because if somebody has the courage to do that, then they are a friend, and I will protect their feelings and their secrets with everything I have. At this point in the 11th grade, it was now, I had plenty of energy to spare and to share. I was in a good place with Daisy and only had a year left of school. And I wasn't being weighed down by uh, the depression so much anymore. And so I gave my ear to whoever asked for it. So Ryan would often pick me and Daisy up and we would do just that. We would bond over shared insecurities, and the confusing experience of being a kid in the 90s. Ryan spoke a lot about being lonely and wanting someone more than anything else, and I could completely relate to that because I had been there for a long time, you know, since I was, shit, fourth grade, right? I always let him vent, and, and, and I encouraged him to try to stay patient. If you want somebody good, then you have to be good, and those kinds of things. And because I... I know I would have loved someone to talk to when I was at my lowest, at my loneliest, and it made me feel like I was helping him cope, and I like to feel useful. Anyway, I mostly kept myself and Daisy locked in my room, away from the noise from the other kids slamming through the house. And one of those slamming kids was often Ryan, and I liked him, but there was one thing he did that bothered me, and I couldn't figure out why, but it was that he would compliment me a little too much and it felt forced and kind of phony. And even though it did come off a little fake, it was never enough for me to dislike him. Uh, He was just, to me, he's just another kid being a confused kid. And I was still drowning in confidence and hope in my now year-long relationship with Daisy. I was feeling really good. So I did what I could to pass that on to others. And Ryan was no exception. He had issues that I could understand, and much like how I handled my baby niece, I didn't want to let him down, because he confided in me about being lonely and wanting a girlfriend, and uh, I could relate to that, like I said, and even at this point, I was conscientious enough to know not to flaunt my relationship in front of a guy who was hurting over being alone, so I I didn't do that. I, I always downplayed how happy I was, how happy Daisy and I were, and um, never flaunted it in front of people. I'd never been a PDA guy and probably never will be. But through this time period, I became a better friend to Ryan because I was doing okay at this point and I understood how he felt. And I had the energy and um, I tried to make sure Ryan was included when he wanted to be. He didn't necessarily ask to be included, but he would have this pathetic puppy dog look on his face that was my cue to invite him along. And I did, because I thought it was important not to exclude him for all of the reasons I stated above. The loneliness and the longing for connection and the fact that we had bonded so much over, you know, one-on-one talks. And I want to leave him out. And so he was never too far away from us. So with all of these kids in this small area, in this small house, when something happened with any of us, we all heard about it very quickly. When someone was arrested, we all knew before the cops got to, got them to the station. When someone got laid, we all heard about it faster than they could zip up their pants. 
I sat on the outside and watched a lot of people make bad decisions, and I was becoming increasingly grateful for what me and Daisy had had. She had always been this beacon for me, but as my home life kept getting more complicated and our peers crashed and burned one after another, she became more and more valuable. At this point, I cherished only two things in the world, my niece's well-being and Daisy. Daisy and everything that came with her, her family and everything that came with her. They were my little island in the middle of this tsunami of a house I was in and hung all of my hopes on these two girls because I felt confident with my situation and I wouldn't have traded this tiny island I had for every forest in the world. All I needed to do to make it all official is to keep my head down and get through this high school crap until Daisy and I can get our own place. A kiddo would be allowed over, but nobody else was because, you know, if you're around bad people, whether or not they're nice to you or not, bad things will happen. Bad things follow bad people. I had made up my mind um, that I had to get a job as soon as possible and get my own place so it would be ready for Daisy when she graduated. I had everything I needed as far as I knew, a typewriter, a stereo, and, you know, the stability of my relationship. Thank God for that. Up until I met Daisy, my goal was, literally, my life goal was to hop trains across the country and be a hobo. And I got this idea, I read this book called On the Road by Jack Kerouac. I heard about Jack Kerouac through a 10,000 Maniacs song, and I read, ended up coming across this book at the library, and I read, and I read it, and it was fucking beautiful. But um, there's something about these beatniks that hitchhiked across the country that really appealed to me and I decided around this time that there was two ways that I was going to be completely free. Either I become wealthy, which is never going to happen, or I could be just as free if I were homeless. And that was much easier (laughs) to attain. So I made up my mind, eighth or ninth grade, that um, when I got out of high school, I was just going to be a hobo. But now I had a reason to try. I had Daisy. I had a niece that I adored. And I had a reason to try. And my new goal now was to try to build a, a life for me and my little island. I'm not entirely sure who told me, but it wasn't more than a few hours after the event that news of Ryan and Daisy sharing a kiss got back to me. Right there in my own house, while I was in my room listening to music, they at some point got alone together and had a kiss. But I didn't believe it because I couldn't wrap my head around that that would even be a possibility. That They may as well have told me that there were, there were dinosaurs on the moon. It, it didn't make sense. I had no place for this happening in my brain. The idea of Daisy touching someone else didn't register with me at all. Like the way a foreign language would sound to you. And there's no way in my head that I could figure out how both her and Ryan would agree on this betrayal. It it just wasn't possible when I heard this. Especially because Ryan was only this close to her because I trusted him to be this close. So there was no way he would do this to me. I I felt like I went out of my way to let him in and just there's no way somebody would do this to somebody. And there is absolutely no way that Daisy would ever agree to this crime. 
It was only her and, her and me. We'd spent months in my bed figuring out how our bodies work. She would keep her bedroom window open for me in the middle of the night, and she would set a chair underneath that window so I could climb up in the middle of the night while her parents slept. It was her that I took to see the cure. For a year now, she had been my island, and there was no way that she could now be the tsunami. So that night, through two stuffy noses, a lot of tears, and a couple hours on a landline, Daisy and I talked about what had happened. Hours went by, and I, I, I grilled her like it, was, like it was a murder trial. And she maintained her innocence throughout. She admitted to me that Ryan had tried to kiss her, but she did not allow it. Now, on some level, I was relieved, but at the same time, I began to see chinks in our armor. As far as our relationship was, the, the tide was rising now on our little paradise island, and it had never occurred to me before that, this, that our relationship might have a finite lifespan and that we might be one of these horror stories that I've heard about other relationships. The possibility and the realization of the fact that I may someday not have the love of my life shook me to my very naive core. This near-miss kiss threw me right into a place in my head that I never wanted to see, and it brought up a fear that I didn't know I even had, and I couldn't handle it. I felt like my safety, my safe place, Daisy, was now being eroded and replaced with a new fear, and I needed help handling the storm that just came in. And in true Daisy form, she easily calmed me down with one simple declaration. She said, I promise you, I will never hurt you. This was all it took for me. I was, I was okay. Daisy was amazing at doing this with me. Um, I, I, I was extremely emotional and depressed and sensitive and geez, all sorts of other things. But she had this way of calming me down. Um, even back when we first met, we'd be in school and she would write me notes and she would pass them to me when she could see that I was miserable. And she would sign these little love note letters with, smile, it's the second best thing you could do with your lips. She always had a way to make everything better. And this situation was no exception. So I started to relax and, be, and begin to accept that what she had said to me was the truth. It was still an ugly truth, but she hadn't betrayed me after all. And that was a huge weight off of my uh, malnourished shoulders. This promise that she would never hurt me was exactly what I needed to hear to get my head and my heart back in my body. She swore her innocence to me and she made me this promise. So what kind of lover would I be if I believed an outside, outsider's rumor over Daisy's own words. Besides, if the tables were turned, I wouldn't lie to her, and I knew it was the same for her. So I couldn't overreact and just toss her aside for good over some childish rumor. Everything we had, everything we had talked about and planned would be wasted. And for what? A kiss that never actually happened? No, I, I wasn't willing to take that risk. But at the same time... I now wasn't willing to take any risk when it came to Daisy and me. Yes, I believed her. But what I couldn't undo was the feeling of betrayal from Ryan and the possibility of this sort of thing happening again. I imagined her version of the events in my mind with her shutting him down and him leaving disappointed and ashamed, 
you know, this typical teenage folly scenario. It calmed me down, but was but what was possibly even worse than what what is worse than if they would actually kissed was that I imagine them having a uh, a quiet moment alone and Ryan doing that thing he did with me where he makes puppy dog eyes and he gives his sob story. The idea that he may have planned this out and tricked her was infuriating and it made my stomach hurt. Um, that he would possibly plan this out and do this uh, knowing uh, just how terrible this would be. Um, it made me sick, but the anger passed pretty quickly. But um, something there's there were other feelings that did persist. The fear of knowing that our relationship maybe wasn't invincible after all was eating at me. And I started feeling really stupid for being naive enough to think that I was the only person in the world who could see how perfect Daisy was. Of course there would be other guys who wanted her. Of course she would have options. How could I have not seen this coming? My, my blind faith and belief in this endless love was naive and arrogant. And the security of my island had been compromised, and not by a known enemy or an unknown enemy, but by a friend who became an enemy with just one crime. A bad person got through the cracks, and I missed it, and I felt so stupid. So, as a result of this, everyone now became a threat, and I felt like I had to be ready. I had to be ready at all times to defend my island. This was a paradise filled with treasures, and now everyone knew about it because Ryan had put an X on the map. And now I had to put up every trap, catapult, and sniper tower I could find or create to protect it. I had to fortify this island. And I did. I began foolishly building a fortress around Daisy and I that only succeeded in adding more weight to our island in a fruitless effort to stop the, this eroding shoreline. As a result, it wouldn't be long before the ground would start to give away and get pulled out from underneath both of us. In an attempt to avoid my greatest fear, I think I started to started the wheels in motion to, um, I guess what I'm saying is, in an effort to stop this this relationship from ever ending, I started the wheels in motion to basically ensure that it would never last. In a panic move, I began to foolishly sabotage my own relationship and everything that I held dear. And to top it all off, I was also about to get kicked out of the house way before I was ready. Take it by your side.